This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Torah Anytime. There we go. Okay. And everybody, just please just mute yourselves if you don't mind and just show yourself. All right. So good evening, everybody. And welcome to, I believe this is class number five of our Mido series. Once again, we'd like to thank Kami Landman and Riva Rosenberg, Shani Rosenberg for all the work that they put into making this a reality. So we have again an in-studio audience as well as people here live on Zoom and this is going to be streamed then on Torah anytime. So last time we were talking about an idea that I got a few emails afterwards which people were reaching out to me and I thought this idea was a very potent and powerful idea which needs to be delved into a little bit deeper than what we did justice to last time. So for those of you who remember we spoke about this idea of something called menuchas nefesh, which means staying calm and having an inner, just like an inner calm, not just like being somebody who on the outside is calm, but somebody who on the inside is calm as well. And there were a bunch of people who reached out to me and said that from the way they understand, for example, let's say you have a girl who's in Shadachim or a guy who's in Shadachim. So they think like, what does it mean to have somebody who has good midos, somebody who is calm and they're nice and they're sweet and therefore the person has good midos. And what we discovered last time was actually that that's not true at all, is that a person's midos needs to go through and through. And if on the inside, a person has inner turmoil, then even if on the outside, the person seems to be somebody who's very sweet and very nice, but if at the end of the day, on the inside, they have that turmoil, then it it just doesn't go. And a few people reached out and they were like, I don't like that idea. Doesn't sound so Jewish to me. And they were complaining that like, no, Midos means that the person is nice on the outside. So today I want to talk about this idea of the inner panemius of the Midos versus the external Chitonius, the way that the Midos actually manifests itself on the outside, if we can. So this idea, I think, is, is, is a powerful idea, something that I think most people would agree is, is it's not intuitive, meaning you normally think somebody's a good Midos, they're a nice guy, they're a nice person, and they do whatever it is that they need to do. But on the inside, if like a person is in turmoil, who cares? As long as on the outside, there's somebody who, you know, is out there. So there's a safer. And it's a seminal safer in Jewish thought, something called Chavis Havavis. And Chavis Havavis teaches us that when it comes to Judaism, there's actually two, two branches. Okay, and let's start with this idea. There's two branches. Branch number one is something that we call Chavis Haguf. Chavis Haguf simply means, what does a Jew need to do? So if you turn to the average person and say to them, are you Jewish? Yeah. Are you a good Jew? Hopefully the answer is yeah. And what does it mean to be a good Jew? I don't know. I shake a lulav, I daven, I go to shul, and... I don't kill anybody, and I honor my parents, so I'm a good Jew, right? Those concepts, those mitzvos, are actually called chavis haguf. That's what you need to do on the outside. The concept behind, um, behind chavis halvavis is that on the inside, a person has a requirement to feel the feelings that then motivate what the person is going to be doing. I'm going to say that again, because I think this is a deep concept. A person is not only a good Jew if they do whatever they're supposed to do. That's not it. You need to develop within yourself the feeling that motivates your action, that stands behind your action, which then makes your action an action that's filled with feeling. But if you simply do the action, that's not enough. The action can be completely devoid of meaning and feeling and therefore definition, and therefore it's, it's, I don't want to say it's worthless, but you're just literally just checking the box. And in order for a person 
to become the highest level that we can attain as, as a Jew, as a person, in our connection to Hashem, a person has to take a minute and develop an inner feeling of closeness to Hashem through the actions that they're doing. And if a person does this, then his actions, his chayvas haguf, the things that his body needs to do, the shaking of a lulav, the blowing of a shofar, it takes on a meaning. And then, and only then, have you fulfilled the mitzvah in the highest possible way. Okay, so l- let's make this concept just a little bit more real in, in, in practice. So many years ago, there was a great rabbi. His name was Rabbi Yosef, Yaakov Yosef Herman, or Yaakov Yosef Herman. He actually was one of the people I found out who influenced my grandfather, the original Ruvain Epstein, to go to, to go to Europe to learn in Kamenetz Yeshiva, which is Rebarach Bar Libuitz. So he was like, I wouldn't want to say he, he was my grandfather's like Rebbe, but he was like his influence, like his mentor back in the day when they had like mentors, like whatever. He was like his original mentor. Okay. So Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Herman was known that he used to say that he has customers and his customers were people who came and they didn't have a place necessarily to eat in America. We're talking about in the 20s, 1920s. So they didn't have a place to, to, to go and eat. So he used to open up his house and he would just say, anybody who's hungry, come over to my house for dinner, for breakfast, whatever, we'll just take care of you. Now, the story goes was that one day, every day he had all of his guests and they would come to his house, you know, constantly. Every night he had people, every day he had people. And one day he read in the newspaper, it said that there's a ship that's coming from Europe. And on this ship is none other than Rav Barach Barley Boys. So Rav Yaakov Yusuf Herman turns to his daughter, Rucha Mashain, who eventually wrote the book, All for the Boys. But all for the boss. And he tells her, he says, Oh my gosh, it says over here that Rabarak Bar Leibowitz is coming to America. Let's go run out to the dock and let's greet him and let's bring him back to our house and we'll give him something to eat. So his daughter says, Okay, what time is the boat coming in? It's coming in at 12 o'clock. So he looks at the clock, he said, It's one o'clock. We already missed the boat. So he says, No, no, we got to go anyways. They go down to the water and they see that everybody's like filing away. Rabarak Bar already came and they had a whole procession for him and they went, they went to the hotel. So his daughter says, okay, great. We came, we, we, we came, we saw, we conquered, we tried. It didn't work. That's, you know, very nice. We tried. He says, no, 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 no. We're going to go to the hotel that he's staying and we're going to get him to come to our house because Rabarachbar came to America. He needs somewhere to eat. We're going to feed him. So the story goes that they go to this hotel and in the hotel, they had like some security guards and they basically said nobody could come in anywhere near Rabarachbar. He's the Rosh Hashiva. He's tired. He's laying down. He's sleeping. And Rabiaka Yezir Herman he pushed forward and he said, send them a message inside that you should know that Yaakov Yosef Herman is here and inviting you to their house. And when they heard inside the room that Rabbi, Rabbi Herman had come all the way, they said, oh, one second. And the words that Rabbi Akbar said was, we were waiting for you. We were waiting for you to come. So they said, okay, they got into a car and they drove to the Herman house and he gave him food. And I believe it was for over two years that Rabbi Akbar ate his meals by the Herman house. Why? Because Yaakov Yosef Herman didn't do chesed. He lived chesed. He loved chesed. There was no such thing as I'm not doing chesed. He is coming to my house. If I can't get him by the docks, I'm going to this hotel. If they tell me no, the answer is yes. Most of us, I would argue and say that what we, what we, what we tend to do is we check off a lot of boxes. And when we check it off, we're like, okay, 
I, I did mincha, I did benching, I gave my quarter to tzedakah. Like I did what I needed to do. And therefore I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I checked off the box and I'm okay. The avoda, the, the service of a Jew, something that we need to internalize is that the external is just simply external. But if it's devoid of a feeling of, I need this, I want this, what is the meaning of shaking a lulu of an esrik? It's like a funny thing. But if I don't study it, if I don't understand it, if I don't prepare myself, then it's just an empty action. And just like when it comes to the lulu of an esrik, we could also understand when it comes to, let's say, davening. But we also have to internalize that when it comes to our just inner feelings, you're just inner feelings. You're sitting at home by yourself and your insides are just churning. And you're thinking, oh, I have a test. Oh, I'm a test. This is the worst day ever. My boss yelled at me and your mind is just racing. That is a lack of midos. We don't think of it that way. I'm not around anybody. I'm not being nasty to anybody. I'm doing my own thing. That's a lack of midos because you are feeling not tranquility. You're feeling turmoil. And in order for a person to develop great midos, it can't just be an external action of, hey, how are you? How are you? And on the inside, you're like, I want to kill this person. I, I can't stand them. You're, you're, you're just like tearing yourself apart. That is not somebody who has good midos. Good midos is, is that you feel it so real on the inside, and then it manifests itself on the outside. I want to talk for just a few seconds about a concept of Shalom Bias, an idea that I think that most um single girls eventually should put this in your pocketbook somewhere because it's something that you one day will maybe not maybe hopefully very soon you will need to pull this out and for those of you who are married something that you probably should think about on let's say more often than than you do okay (laughs) so here we go all right so the average couple the average couple is this is the struggle that i see okay the average couple what goes on is that you have a man for example who he goes out to work or he goes out to learn or he goes out to college, whatever the case may be. He's out of the house for a good, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 hours, whatever the case may be, right? And he's thinking to himself, I'm just the greatest guy ever because men are good at complimenting themselves. They're just like, who's got two thumbs and he's a good guy? This guy, I'm good. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay, okay? So the guy's out at work or whatever he's doing, he's thinking like, just the greatest husband ever. Like everyone just like, my wife is just lucky to have me in her life. Like I'm just like a ray of sunshine. And he walks in the door and like, he's hit with like this, like one, two knockout punch of like his wife, like starting to complain and fetch and be like, oh, yeah. and he's like, well, it makes no sense. Like something must be wrong with her. Like I, I have people who they can be like certified, like doctors, they diagnose their spouses all day long with like literally every every disease like she's needy she's clingy she's coexisting like become like big like psychologists like they know everything about every mental disorder in the world like that's how they like my spouse is broken something wrong with her like they, they they figured it all out they can't they can't imagine for a second that they have anything to do with their spouses like being unhappy and why are women unhappy so again this is not across the board and and don't kill me when I say men and women, okay? Like, you can shoot me an email later, but like, relax, okay? Let, let me just throw out this idea. Is that what usually tends to happen is that women are really smart and they realize that their needs are not really being met. They're being met like in a general sense. Like, you're being a really good guy, like you're keeping the lights on and you're putting a roof on my head, but like, you're not really connecting to me, all right? You with me, Tova? Yeah? Okay, all right? Again, not, I'm not saying you're, 
people who you know, right? And and what's going on, right? What's going on is that they 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 feel the lack, so they verbalize it and they express it, and they're like, eh, you know, eh, it's not it's not so good. And their husbands feel like they're being under attack, and they don't understand like what's going on. And this is part of a longer conversation that we really should have when it comes to shalom bias and 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 how this plays itself out. But men feel under attack; they can't understand what's wrong, and the women feel like. What do you mean? Like, you're not really giving me directly what I need. And I, I just want to want to throw out the idea that if a person, obviously, on the external has to work on their relationship, what does that mean? It means taking your spout, your wife out for, for, for dates and, 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 and for walks and whatever the case may be. And by the way, if you're dating, you may think, oh, it has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with you. Because if you're dating and you're talking to a guy and you say to him, what do you expect our relationship to look like one day? And he's just like looking up at the stars as if he's like a stargazer that's a problem meaning you should be able to verbalize like this is something like i've heard i internalize like i I would like to have one day so what tends to happen is that when the men feel like they're being under attack the women are actually coming from a real place like no no you're not really giving me what i what i need from you in a real way and the idea that i just want to throw out there which i again it's a bigger concept is that if throughout the day, a man would actually feel, yeah? Like I'm working for my wife, I'm connected to my wife, I love my wife, then you, nobody needs to tell him, take her out on a date, buy her something, write her a card, because she will feel that so that when he comes home with a box of M&Ms or anything and says to her, here, I thought about you, it's it's such an expression of love because she knows that the love is real. When the love is lacking, we oftentimes have to compensate with like diamonds and earrings and vacations and all these expensive things because we're, we're bridging a gap. But when the feeling is there, then the expression that comes out of that feeling, it's such a deep expression and it's actually really, really meaningful. So when the feeling is developed, then what happens on the outside, it takes on a, a whole new meaning. A lot of times I sit with couples and I tell them, okay, so now start doing this and start doing that and start doing the other thing. But it's not about that. It's about first developing the feeling of actually respecting what your spouse is doing for you on a daily basis, feeling that feeling. And then when you talk to them, you just talk to them different. When you go out, when you go out with them, then you go out with them and you feel very, very different about them. Many years ago, my family was very close with a man named Chaim Silver. They used to call him Lobo. He was a guy who used to give out a lot of tzedakah, like a real, real, real tzedakah. And on Purim, his house was just totally swamped. They used to have like bouncers in front of the house and people would come to the house. And he was, he was like a very fun person, a really fun person. So like when I used to go, he had like this little basketball court, like a little hoop, and he would give you a ball and he would say like, shoot the, shoot the ball like 10 times. And for every time you get it in, you got like, I don't know, $10 or $100, whatever the number was, right? So you'd sit there and you would shoot and you would shoot. And like, if you're missing like every shot, he would be like, oh, he gets the rebound and he would throw it in for you, you know? And then he would give you a check and that's what he would do, okay? Now, he would do this all per night, the first night. And then this, the next day, people would come to him and he would do the same thing. So it was a story that was said after he passed away that there was a guy who said that he came to his house in the morning of Purim. And he came in and Chaim Silver was like totally bombed from the night before. And he, he opened the door and he said, yeah. And the guy said, hi, we're here to collect for, you know, whatever. And he said, guys, I, I need you to come back like in two hours. And they said, okay, they came back two hours later and he did his whole thing. And he's all oh, here, he passes him the ball and he shoots the ball and he misses and he throws it back in. 
And he gave them $100, $500, whatever the number was that he gave them. And before they left, he told the guys, he said, I, I want to tell you something. He said, when you came earlier in the day, I was up, I was available. But when I opened the door for you, I felt like I didn't have the full geschmack of giving tzedakah right now. And if I'm welcoming Bacharim into my house, they have to know from me that it's geschmack and it's fun. And like, I want to do this. Like I'm fully engaged in this. And like him giving tzedakah was like, was like a simcha, like, wow, thank you for coming to my house. Like the opportunity to give you a check. Can I please write this out to you? We were like, oh, okay, I guess you could. And he's like, no, let's do this. He was like, he was more excited about your cause than you were about your own cause. You're like, I'm sorry to bother you. Like I'm here to collect tzedakah. He's like, that's awesome. You're here to collect tzedakah. Amazing, let's go. He was so into it because he didn't just do it. He felt it. The Chavetz Chaim wrote a sefer called Avas Chesed. It's not about doing chesed, asiyas chesed. It's about avas chesed. You love chesed. You look out for it. And then when you do that, it actually shines through. So that's the idea that I wanted to talk about. And I, I want to say that it's not easy. At the end of the day, it's not easy. I think a lot of us, we experience stress in our life. And going back to this idea of Menuchas HaNafash, um, we all experience stress. Life is stressful, especially in today's day and age. It is very, very stressful. It used to be you could go down to the well to, to, to get a pail of water. It could take you like three hours. And you'd walk there with your pail. You'd walk back with your pail. And you would just talk to Hashem the whole way. And you come back and you put down the pail. And then you had to start a fire and you get a log. And by the time like you finished the day, like all you did was like you drew up some hot water and you had a tea. That was like your whole day. Like you didn't do much because, you know what I'm saying? We live in such a fast-paced environment today that like it's, like it's like rapid fire, like what's going on in our lives. And we tend to feel a lot of stress. I think a lot of us, we just justify our stress by saying, what's the big deal? I'm outside. I'm a very nice person. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm in my own life. I'm doing my own thing. But that's not enough. It's not enough. In order for us to internalize and take this to the next level, we have to not only be nice people, we have to completely trust that A, Hashem has a plan for us, for our lives. B, we have to actively not become so religious. I mean, we have to be religious. A lot of times when things go wrong, we become so religious. I just try Hashem. Relax. You have the ability to be a calmer wife, a calmer mother, a calmer daughter. You have the ability to do that. Even when things are not going your way, even when you feel rejection, even when everything in your life seems to be going wrong, you have the ability to take control of your life and to say, thank you, Hashem, for this challenge. Thank you to your inner feelings, your emotions for warning you and for, for setting off these, these bells, which are telling you, you should be aware that you need to be cautious about this person or, or this is not going right. Thank you very much. I got this. Deep breath and then keep on going. And when you're able to internalize and have a feeling of true menuchas anafash, then what you will find is that you will actually be a really pleasant person. When it comes to children, you say, say thank you, do this, say please. We're telling them what to do, but not necessarily what to feel. And now that we're adults, we have to start to learn how to feel. And then what to do, it will just follow. That's how it works. So again, it comes to midos. And this is the first midah that we're talking about, is the midah of somebody having a true feeling of menuchas anafesh, of really being calm. But it's not about just having it on the outside. Everybody thinks you're calm. Oh, this person has it together. And then you're sitting at home and you're like, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And my job is so stressful and and everything is so difficult. No, 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 no. It's about internalizing a feeling, working through a lot of the steps that we've spoken to and spoken about in the past. And when a person's able to do that, then they're going to be pleasant. Then they're really a person who has 
work through their midos, like it just shines out. There's nothing, nothing at all, at all that can, that can frazzle them. I was recently with somebody who I consider a gadol, gadol when it comes to midos, the calmest person I've ever met in my life. No matter what's going on, they're just like super calm. And I sat through a meeting with him that was very, very stressful with a very, very difficult personality. And literally the whole time he was like just sitting there and he was smiling. I was like raging on the inside. Like it was, it was really, it was really a challenging meeting. And when we left, I turned to him and I said, like, wow, like you're you're just like so calm. And the only words he said to me was he said, it's a shvaramensh. You know, yeah, it's difficult. Like that was like his his whole, it wasn't just a comment, it was a feeling. Yeah, shver, you know, the shver guy, you know. That was it. And I moved on. I was like thinking about it for like a week. And he was like, Yeah, shver guy. Okay. Next, onwards and upwards. Takes years to develop these feelings. And when we're children, again, we're taught what to say. And we're taught what to do. But when we're older, we have to start developing what it means to feel. And when we do that, then our chayvis halavas and our chayvis halguf, they start to connect. And when they start to connect, that's when all of our feelings actually become authentic. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. In two weeks, you'll get another email reminder. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for showing yourselves. All the best. <laughs> Take care. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.